I'm Samaita Graver, and I want to welcome you to Truth, Salt, and Spice, the podcast. My hope is that the stories my guests share inspire you to walk in truth, be salt to your corner of the world, and to use the unique gifts that God intentionally gave you to add spice to everything you do. Hey, does that work? Hello. Hello. That was not so hard. (laughs) (laughs) We did it. Welcome. I thank you. I'm always excited when somebody comes on because I'm just honored. Um, and uh, I tell people I'm excited, but I, I was thinking about okay, why am I excited? Well, number one, I just said so. But number two, each of my guests have something that to share that's very exciting for me. And this is a topic that I have not talked about. The one we're going to talk about. And I am super, super excited. Um, to share with uh, women out there what you have to bring to the table um, because it's so, so, so important um, for sure. So I'm very, very excited. I'm over here wringing my hands. (laughs) It's like I'm sitting at the table waiting to dig into this morsel of yummy steak. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I hope I I don't disappoint you. (laughs) No, I, I, no, no, there isn't. There's no, there's no way you can. (laughs) So how about you tell um, our people what you want them to know about you? And we'll go from there. Okay. Well, my name is Jamie Amarine. I am an author and blogger, speaker, podcaster, artist, mom, wife, friend, and follower of the wonderful Jesus. And um, I have two books out now. My first one was called Stolen Jesus, An Unconventional Search for the Real Savior. And my second one is called Sacred Ground, Sticky Floors, How Less Than Perfect Parents Can Raise Kind of Great Kids. And um, I actually did not pick the, sub- the subtitle and I have, I, I kind of worried about it because I was like, that sounds like a how-to book. But um, I was praying about it and I just felt like this just popped in my head. It's not a how to book. It's a how he book, mm. how he saves, how he restores, how he shows up and how he is the perfect parent. And, um, I, um, we live in the North Houston area. Um, we lived our entire marriage, which we've been married now for 26 years. And my husband's name is Justin. Ask him to move here and be closer to, um, my a major airport for speaking engagements and he said yes which was a bonus and followed me here and um so we're close my parents are right around the corner and um we have six children uh four biological children maggie's 23 john is a marine and he's 20 luke is 19 years old today as I saw this. that. I was like, yeah. oh, happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. And he wrote the afterword to Sacred Ground Sticky Floors, which is my favorite thing ever. And then Sophie is 16 and she's a junior in high school and remarkably intelligent, kind of in a creepy way. And then we started, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started all over with foster care and adoption. We adopted Sam when he was 10 days old. And, and then we, um, we met him actually for the first time when he was 10 days old and uh, he was adoptable. And then we, um, did foster care and then that's how we ended up with Charlie. And, um, we let our foster license, right. has been on hold for a year. We had a long-term placement 
that we referred to online as Joy Baby. She was with us for almost two years, and she returned home to her restored mama last year. And my husband, um, we just didn't know where we were going to go from there. We did take a couple more placements, but um, God's been really kind of pointing me toward more, um, even though I think I could do it again and again. But um, foster care reform in mm. the in several different areas, um, both for foster parents, foster children, but also for the, the families, um, the parents of children that have been removed. So I'm trusting him to kind of guide me in that I could just mama forever. And, um, I still get the alerts when there's a placement in our old hometown and I just, Oh, I, I don't know. It It tugs at you. Yeah, Yeah, it it does. But, um, it was not easy to, as much as we wanted Joy Baby um, restoration story, and we we're glad to be a part of it. It was not easy to to have her leave. So. Yeah, I'm sure. It's two years yeah. of investing in a precious little soul. And yeah, I mean, if you're doing foster care as it's supposed to be and from a healthy standpoint, and you, you want them to go back to a healthy situation, right? And, um, yes. And, uh, but it doesn't take away the pain. No, it does um, not. And I miss you get I miss attached. Both. Yeah. yeah, I miss and I miss her mama. I love mm. I, I love them both, and I want good things for them. And um, but there's you know I I think I told you right before we started recording I was vacuuming and dusting and I'm we have a little shelf with mementos of her and every time it just leaves me undone. She was she is and her mama are both incredible human beings and it's not easy. So. Yeah. Mm. heartwarming heartwarming i um i appreciate um your heart for serving the children in that way and the families in general because you really are serving the family yeah well Uh, that's working you know yeah so how goodness gracious your book left me undone um (laughs) so you know I, i started reading it and you know it just your writing was a good story, you know, hooked me in from the beginning. Um, But as I kept reading it, I was just like, so I guess ultimately where I came out from is just like, okay, a lot of your views and where you came through, you know, throughout with your different experiences, Mm -hmm. I, I came in actually already into parenting and I was thinking, okay, so what, how, how do we end up, you know, women, you know, just in general, how do we end up coming in with certain views of how we're going to parent or not parent, what we're going to do or not going to do? How do others change, you know, as they go? What, what does it take for some people to actually be broken and, and let go of what they hold so dearly, uh, what they hold so dearly? Um, I don't know, just the whole thing was just it was eye-opening to me. The other thing I, I was thinking is like, there's a lot of things that you said in there that I'm like, oh my gosh, I've said the same thing, but in other words, <laughs> it's like my, my mothering twin. It's hysterical. Um, so I, I, you know, we're, we're going to get into a lot of stuff here and um, hopefully we can cover it in a decent amount of time that people don't just, you know, lose interest because their attention spans can't hold more than four seconds at a time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like but, mine. You know, <laughs> when we went, when I went back and, and started looking at your titles, this caught my attention. Um, the words or, or at least alluded to shame, control, grief, comparison, fear, perfection. And I thought, yeah. 
this is these these things and all of them or one way or the other have plagued mm-hmm. and it seems like the central theme of a lot of mothers um these days and it comes out a lot with this helicopter parenting mm-hmm. um and just when women post about things and other women come in and the attacking and you know just um, judging other mothers and I mean it's it's I sit back sometimes and think whoa my gosh can the woman just serve her child whatever and just <laughs> mm-hmm. on, you know um, yeah and it, I can I can only imagine if I were a new mom now how lonely it would be if yeah. you didn't have people on your side walking with you without judgment and and allowing you to just figure it out as you go like everybody else yeah. Um, so I want to start with the following. This, this is what I was thinking about. What do you, or can you recall what events, you know, as you were growing up in your childhood led you to come into, um, when, you know, when I have my kids, this is how it's going to be because you little by little started peeling back the layers and letting go of your preconceived parenting and what was right. And, you know, all these things as you yeah. went, you know, um, that I'm sure you're still figuring out because you still have little ones at home. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's ever evolving. Yes. Um, I had a happy childhood at home for mm-hmm. the most part. I really did. And um, we, I mean, I struggled, um, at, with learning disabilities, undiagnosed learning disabilities. And so, um, but I do remember, that Jesus was a, a central theme in our home. Um, but I also remember that it, it was a works-based theme. And so I parented a lot. And my mom was and is a great mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I loved the idea of motherhood. I loved babies. I loved children. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. But I, I truly believe that um, I continued in the message of I think my the originals the four originals Mm -hmm. saw that um and we talk about it a lot so um you know and have evolved in that relationship but um saw a fear-based belief and I completely um streamlined that into what I call an if then Jesus if I do this then this will happen Mm -hmm. and I and I think in our society we um we do that. We, you know, this produces this. And so if you follow this exact formula, then you'll have this result. And, um, in parenting, you know, there's tons of parenting books and this is how you, you know, take care of colic. And this is how you, how to warm a bottle and you never put it in the microwave and you do this, 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 and this, and then this happens. And that doesn't almost, isn't, it is not going to work for every single person. And so then there's this, formula that has created failure well so okay so what did I do wrong where did I go wrong and and it's a huge responsibility you carry this person or you bring this person into your home with the intention of doing your very best to keep them safe and well and um you know I this always flashes in my mind just flashed in my mind now but I remember um when I first started writing I did a write 31 day series on stuff I wish you'd quit saying and it ended up just being different things that people say. But I had a woman write to me and she said, um, people always say, um, mom, mom humorists always say, um, well, we had a horrible day, but they survived. So at least I have that. Mm-hmm. She said, I, I can't even tell you 
um, she said about the day that I walked in after my little one's nap and found him gone. And mm. he was, he had um, died of SIDS in his sleep. And she said, and she said, and I always read that and think I am the ultimate failure. Ugh. I, and I just thought, you know, our words are so important, but, um, and it's so easy to say something flippantly like that. Well, at least they survived. Well, what if they didn't, you know? And so, um, I, I, I look back on all of my parenting and I look forward to, to my parenting with, um, the hope that I am careful and that I don't judge. And I know that in the past I felt judged and that I did judge. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my parenting now with the two littles that, uh, we refer to online as the vandals, they, there is a lot more ease and, um, a lot less fear. And I mean, I still fear for the same things that, um, all, every mother does, but it's a different level in knowing that it's not all up to me. And I do believe that, that my mom believed and her mom, or maybe not my mom's mom, but my dad's mom believed that they were wholly responsible for that outcome. Yeah. And it's a huge responsibility because these people, and I say this in the book, you know, they're wholly a part of us and wholly apart from us. And they're on a different journey. And, um, you know, we put all of our eggs in that basket. And of course we do, you know. However, it also has the worst retirement plan of any other job on the planet. Because you basically are working your way out of a job that is everything. And then all of a sudden it's over. They don't, you know, they move on in some form or fashion. Your heart is still there. But um, I don't, I think there's a part of us that, um, and I know this was true of my mom, um, it's almost like a loss of identity in your motherhood in, 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 in taking care of these people. And um, I, I always wondered that when I, when I first started writing, uh, I got a rejection letter and my agent said, I'm going to send this to you because I feel like you need to read it just because it's really kind. And it was kind. It was like, you're an amazing writer. She's this, she's this, she's this. But she's not just one thing. We need to know if what's she going to be. She needs to be like one thing. Is she going to be a homeschool mom? Is she going to be a foster mom? Is she going to be a delinquent's mom, a genius's mom? What what mom is she? And It's like I all remember, of them. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all of them. I yeah. am all of them. But I'm also Jamie. I'm also yeah. – and and – um, so it was very eye-opening to me, um, but that mostly, I think, I, as far as how I was raised, I, I raised the first batch very similarly to how I was raised, which was in a fear-based belief system, and, and that can be stressful. I don't, I don't remember being stressed at the time, but I remember thinking, oh, yeah, we have to do these things this way mm-hmm. if we, wa- we want to earn that place next to the Lord. Yeah. It, so. It's interesting because I was thinking of when I was a child, um, I, I'm Puerto Rican and um, we have this thing and I don't know where it came from, why we do it, but we have this, I think personally, uh, bad habit of like if a kid um, trips over a table or they hit themselves with something, we literally we will say, oh, bad table. And I remember being a teenager and sitting there thinking, what? is that like the table and trip them or whatever, Mm -hmm. just to comfort the kid. And I just remember thinking, I will never do that. You're not teaching the kid 
responsibility for their actions, even if it was, you know, nothing major. That's I mean, interesting. Yes. I've never heard that. That's uh, oh, yeah. We, we, yeah. You know, cultures. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I just remember thinking, I'm not, you know, doing that. The other thing I came into, you know, parenting um, was I remember being around a lot of different families. I, I was very, it's funny, I, I was very different in, in many ways than I am now, but I, I was a, li- a lot more quiet when I was a teenager. Um, a lot more introverted in many ways, but that's a whole other story of why. Um, but I would observe a lot and, um, and I would see families that would invest in their children and do everything right. And their kids go off, you know, <laughs> and, and turn out, you know, a little bit uh, sassy. Yeah. And then you'd see these parents that were so uninvolved, whatever. And then their kids were just like the straight and narrow. And I just mm-hmm. never understood that. And I just remember thinking, you know what? they're going to end up doing whatever they're going to end up doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I came in and I just decided, I mean, I didn't, I didn't decide this as a parent. I just can look back now and be based on my behavior. I came in, I think with the attitude of this is what I'm going to do and you're going to end up doing what you're going to do, but I'm going to make decisions based on how much I'm going to allow your decisions and your choices to affect me. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't say that was necessarily the most healthy thing because it ended up being sort of an amount of control, but the control had to do with what would affect me. So I think in many ways, I hampered my kids' um, development as teenagers, especially, um, because I'm like, eh, yeah, you're going to do it, and you're going to be stupid, and you're going to make mistakes, and let me see. No, I'm not, I'm not willing to deal with the ramifications of that, so you're not doing that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so as I was reading your book, I started laughing. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally understand what your <laughs> kid's <laughs> doing, all these crazy stuff. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, my oldest, he, he, uh, he's my, what is it, your Luke? I, mm-hmm. I, have, a, I have a Luke. And mm-hmm. um, in some sense, it's not, not the same story. Um, and, uh, but he's 24 now. Um, and speaking, it, he's actually in the National Guard. So I have a bit of, um, what is we it, have John? A lot in John? Yes, we yeah, do. John. Yeah, so. Um, and then I have my, my 22-year-old is more of my Luke. And, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, He's now 22 and, you know, the other day he says, hey, I'm fixing my credit. I'm saving up. I want to buy my house, you know. So (laughs) there's been a lot of, you know, sort of prodigals. But um, the breakdown in the home um, definitely took us in a let's look at the systemic problem here. Mm-hmm. And it was my breaking point. And um, from that, I became a transformational coach and, you know, um, learned a lot of different ways of being that mm-hmm. then we have two younger ones that are um, adopted uh, from Ethiopia that they're probably like your two younger ones are getting the benefit of more of, uh, okay, we're going to deal with this in a different way, um, mm-hmm. even though they're probably, you know, um, <laughs> because they're still parenting involved, they probably won't be like, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I was just told the other day by one of them that they didn't like my vibe and didn't want to be around me. I, I no. took every ounce of self-control not to laugh so hard in their face. It, yeah. it was, yeah. So, you know, yeah. we're still doing some things right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still. Um, but, yeah, it's, I just always find it fascinating of what happens in our childhood and our upbringing that we make these decisions on how we're going to raise these kids. And mm-hmm. then they tell us, well, I guess if we're really open to looking at what's working and not working, um, they tell us how we're really just need to adjust along the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> they, they, they'll tell you. <laughs> so, Charlie said that um, our youngest said uh-huh. the other day, um, 
I opened his folder and he had done something at school and the teacher had sent a note home and I said, oh goodness, you know, what is this? And he said, you know, sometimes I'm bad and sometimes I'm good. (laughs) And I said, you know, (laughs) me too. And I said, but then I also said, and this is definitely different than how I would have been back in the day. Yeah. But I said, actually, sometimes your actions are good. And sometimes your actions can be bad, but the whole of who you are is, is good. a wonderful mm. young man. And I said, and I love you. And, you know, I, I want more for you than this. And maybe that is over his head. But yeah. He, I mean, he listened to me and I, I do want that to be the message of, um, you know, parenting from the tree of good and evil. This is bad and this is good. No, I love you. And that was bad. And this was good. But you, the whole of who you are is unique and individual and I love you and there's no buts and a good I love you and there's no buts and a good sorry um so I and and I I had I did an interview the other day and we were talking about that and uh the person that interviewed me said uh, well do you think that you can fix what you did wrong and I, I and I I was stumped by that but then I started thinking wait I am Jamie I I am fully flawed and I am fully perfected by the work of the cross. And sometimes I did good parenting and sometimes I did bad parenting, but he is the perfect parent and he's covered those bases. And I have built a relationship with these now young adult humans that I love. I, I almost said proud, but it's not proud. I love who they are and I love who they are to me, who I am to them. And I love our relationship and they still might screw up. They still might have, uh, you know, those things, but mm-hmm. there's good behavior and there's bad behavior, but they are dear, loved, wonderful human beings that know who Jesus is and will make them, they will make that relationship their own. And I, I do think a lot of, um, in Christian parenting, one of our things is that we think we have to make that happen and you can't make someone love Jesus and, um, you know, if they stray from that, that's the other thing that I failed them in this or whatever. No, you can't make someone love that, that image that you love or, or the, the being that you love. You can tell them about it, but they have to make it their own. And you want them to, as much as it might hurt, you want that to be a genuine relationship that they make their own. Yes. Um, my oldest two are not um, Christians. And um, I, you know what, I think in some senses that probably made parenting somewhat easier too, to be honest, Yeah. because there were some expectations I didn't have of them. You can't expect somebody to behave or to respond when they don't have a conviction, conviction about mm-hmm. something. And, um, but, you know, as adults now, um, it, it's the same thing. And um, it, it's, I'm not attached to, to, this is their relationship. They have to figure that out for themselves. Yeah, um, they do. And it has nothing to do with me. I mean, I did my best of who I was. Um, could I have done things differently? Like you said, yeah, maybe, or maybe not. I don't know if I would ever not. Um, mm-hmm. But you just said something about pride and you took it back. I want to ask you a question and then I'll, I'll, I'll actually um, say something. How okay. do you, how do you see that whole thing of saying, you know, I'm proud of my child or proud of, of different people? Um, do you use it or do you not like it? I don't particularly like it. I, I, um, because I think, and maybe it's just a misplaced understanding in my heart of what pride 
looks like. But uh, around here in Texas, pride is, you know, the success of, of an individual. And, and we say things like our team or, and this always cracks me up, but you can be at a football game and go, we're, we're really playing horrible tonight. And I'm like, we are, you're not playing. <laughs> like, you're not playing. What are you talking about? But, but we, we take on that identity for teams or individuals or, and, you know, even, um, and I see this, too with even leaders or uh, in political arenas or religious um, areas where you know we we put all of our stock in that and all of a sudden we take that on as if it's our own and I am I was always uncomfortable with it um, with my kids and and with Sophie uh, is and my kids are talented so yeah just in case in case they listen (laughs) however they also know (laughs) Sophie is weird talented and can play the piano by ear and anything with chords and, you know, belt out song and solve um, algebraic equations and all of these things. And I I have people say, Oh my gosh, you must be so proud. And I think I'm proud. I'm happy for her. I'm Mm -hmm. happy she has that. I hope that she fostered that. And I've, I've done my part in fostering it. You know, we got her piano lessons and we, you know, take her to the events she needs to go to. And, and I did that with my other children too, but it's not really mine. I, I literally did nothing to have Sophie turn out like this. She came like this. And to that extent, my kids all came with these certain gifts and then shortcomings that are theirs. And for years I thought they, well, I actually thought that all the bad was mine. And so when Luke was really at rock bottom and just, it was such a nightmare and we ended up having to send him to a military school um, to to save him from himself. That was, we, we had no, we did not know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And I knew that everybody was talking bad about me and judging me and saying what we should do. And we went to a piano recital and somebody said, after Sophie played, oh my gosh, you must be so proud. You've done such an amazing job. And I remember thinking, how can I be both a horrible mother and this amazing mother? I didn't, I did all of the things with Luke that I did with Maggie and John that didn't have these struggles. I did them with Sophie and she didn't have these struggles. And I can't teach any one of them to play the piano. Like, I don't understand how people play the piano. First of all, it fascinates me that she can do it by ear. Mm-hmm. So the first time she hears something, I can't teach them that. So why am I to be praised for that and condemned for the other? And I, by stepping back and looking at that, there was so much freedom in, from then on in my parenting. I, I can do as much as I can do, but I cannot be the, their salvation. I cannot be the thing that moves them forward. They have to do that on their own. And if they don't, where will they be? they'll be needing me forever to pick up the pieces and fix things and make things right. And if that's the case, what do they need with a Jesus? Why, why would they even need him? So I, I am, I am kind of anti-pride. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you're the only person that has ever, I have ever had a conversation that's voiced that. I don't know if people are afraid or if they just don't think about it, but I literally have conversations, have had conversations with all my children. It's like, I, I have never said, I will never say that I'm proud of them. Um, I don't use that at home for the, but I'm very intentional about it. And and the reason is because I tell them, I don't want you ever living your life to please me. And Mm -hmm. if you're looking for me to be proud of you, 
that's what you're looking for. I want you to live your life out of your convictions of what is right, was wrong. You're going to do stuff that I'm not going to agree with, and it'll be your conviction and doesn't make it wrong or right. Um, and um, I don't want you to look to me to be constantly, you know, to, to please me. It's just not, I don't want you to. <laughs> I don't want, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to be your focus. Um, and, and that's basically the simplest. I said, I, when you do things that I see that are good for you, I am going to be so happy for you because you're setting yourself up for success. It's not a pride thing because I have nothing to do with it. It's choices that you make. And like you said, I will try to do my best. I will do this. I'll take you here. I'll give you, you know, the violin lessons over here or I'll, you know, set you up with this. We'll do whatever, you know. Um, But ultimately, I only can do so much and the rest is really on them. Um, Well, go ahead. I, well, I had, I mean, and I would, I'm, this is not political or anything, mm-hmm. but somebody, my daughter, my oldest daughter is 23 and she was, um, there are some pictures of her on Facebook at a, at a wedding and um, that she participated in. Um, and then these pictures were on and I got a seething email from somebody that I knew that was like, I can't believe that that's even her why would you allow that why did you on and on and on just disgusted with it and I didn't know how to respond at first and then I I went and looked at the pictures and there was joy and there was laughter Maggie was standing up for someone she loved that she cared about and she was there for and I had to respond like that I was like she's at that point I said she's 22 years old and these are the things that convict her and motivate her and I saw nothing but love for the way that she was reacting in that I saw nothing vile and and I can't I can't be responsible for how she is moved or convicted but I certainly would never ever chastise her or shame her her or do any suggest any of the things that you're suggesting because to me, what I see there is, is genuine kindness and love and friendship. I, I know that people might not agree with how our kids turn out, but it's long after they're gone, what am I supposed to do about that? You know, does that make sense? It's like, yeah. how are, how, and if they're truly not hurting anyone or themselves, yes, I'd step in and, and do this and this and this, but just because you disagree with what my child is doing is absolutely no reason to condemn me. There is no condemnation in Christ. So I don't even welcome the comments. Yeah. But also, I mean, just for a minute, did you see, did you really see the pictures of Maggie? Cause you don't know any of those other people, but Maggie who you do know, she was a delight. She was a delight. She was glowing because she loves well. I, I can't get past, you know, and, you know, to the same extent, so John sent us a picture of this huge explosion and he, he's standing in front of this blazing fire. And I was thinking, you know, I told him not to blow stuff up <laughs> 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 and I can't, but, but guess what else? He's smiling. He's happy. He's fulfilled. And you know what? He's laid down his life for you to have your freedoms. And so how, how can I be, how, I can't do what John's doing. I cannot do what he's doing. But gosh, 
everyone else be glad he is be glad that's who he turned out to be even though I told him not to blow stuff up and (laughs) begged him not to join the Marines I I I just I think it's it and I to the same extent with Luke when Luke went to train um he just got his 200 hour certification in yoga and another two or three letters from people I can't believe that you would pay for that I can't believe you would condone that they're worshiping Buddha they're doing this and this and this and I'm like you know first of all he's 18 he asked us for help because he wanted to further himself in this and I trust him I trust who he is I trust how he's convicted and that's I think that's all we can do in some situations is trust that they are morally convicted and seeking something better for themselves Mm -hmm. that that is real instead of what we just told them you know, they could do yep. exactly what we do, but then what are we going to have? Just a bunch of robots. They're individuals. And I um, love that about them. I think that's awesome. I think that's actually one of the reasons I say that about the foster, the, you know, I see a child come up on that alert that there's a mm-hmm. placement or something. I think that's somebody to invest in. That's somebody, that's, that's somebody that you get to see change even if it's bad change you you get to be a part of that as a mother that's something I think to be proud of is that you even get that spot and it, and then too you know if, if if that's not your spot that something else is that God has something in mind for all of us but it's the room to let people become and um with some parenting and some method methodologies I think it's just stifling it's stifling. We want them to not do what we did and they, we want them to do exactly as we say. And then that's a reflection on us. Yeah. I, um, I, I tell people it's, um, oh, the other thing, <laughs> what I read, I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman's almost my twin. Um, but I tell people, it's just like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't get attached to, to the, the results of, of who they are and what, what they become. They're their own person. Um, Where have you been all and- my life? <laughs> When you said, well, you know, I should have written it down, but I didn't. But that whole thing about, you know, them needing Jesus, right? If we're there mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And um, I, when I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I joke around all the time. And I say it in a joking manner, but not because I don't think it's, um, it has value. I just throw it out there kind of, you know, lighthearted. Um, but I say, I've said it for years, that if I'm a perfect mom, my kids will never need Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's when true. I read that, I was just like. I can't, I can't, I am too flawed to be all they, they need to be able to focus on somebody higher than me. And since I'm really not high in the spectrum, you know, a totem pole of anything, their eyes need to be shooting for somewhere else beyond me. And I appreciated that so much because there's just so much freedom in detaching our kids' results from our person. We can only do what we can do and we have to allow them to walk their own journeys and um, develop their own relationship with God um, and figure things out. Um, right. And I think, and I'm available. I mean, my mm-hmm. kids come to me and we talk about things and, um, and, and they've become my friends and, and I want good things for them. But I really do think that in our Western society, we think that the perfect Christian walk looks exactly specifically one way and if it doesn't end up that one way we've somehow failed and it's that's balarkey it's not true it's not true we are we are apart from them and we are a part of them but he is everything and i trust him 
with them because I know he loves them more than I do. Exactly. We, we say that, you know, or, you know, you're going through the Valley with one of them and, you know, it's like, well, I, I guess my last resort, you know, we've tried everything else. God do your thing, but he's all in, he's been all in, you know, we're a vessel that leads and love protects. Yes. However, to be ourselves as individuals and perfect individuals that are, are walking alongside them and, and, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I believe that about these kids more so than I even put stock in my, my role as mother. And I do cut the crusts off their sandwiches and I do like for them to have a hot breakfast. And I, you know, just hung up all the vandal shirts and vacuumed their room. And I do the things that, um, that for me, um, or how I mother, mm-hmm. how, that's how I do it. Yeah. But if you, if you, that's not how you're doing it, who am I to say it's wrong? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, and we're just so quick to do that. And, um, with everything and then compare our kids to other kids and compare ourselves to other parents and compare our husbands to other husbands. And, you know, it's easy to do. And especially in this day and age where everybody's, you know, whole hiney is out for everyone to see. Um, mm-hmm. you, it's right there. So, you know, they're doing it better. And I just said, I vacuumed. How many people are listening to this one? Oh my gosh, I haven't vacuumed it. <laughs> she hangs up there. In the world. But those are things that I, you know, I don't enjoy vacuum, but I enjoy that all of the clothes are lined up. It's, 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 they, they probably won't remember that, but I take their shirts out of the dryer and I hang them up. That's, I've done it for years. That's how I roll. That's my thing, but it doesn't, it's not going to make or break Sam and Charlie, you know, it's, it, it's not, it, it's things, it's, it's actions, but it, at the heart of everything. And I, I think I say this in the book that, you know, you're the thermostat for your home and sometimes thermostats get too hot or too cold or don't work mm-hmm. but at the core of it. They know I'm here. They know they can come to me and I am, I can't be perfect without Jesus and they can't be perfected without Jesus, but I can't make them love Jesus. Yeah. They know about him. They know exactly them. know about them and just try your best. It's funny because I laundry. It's just like here are your piles take them. That's not my my thing. I mean, when they were younger, yes, but once they're you know dexterous enough to mm-hmm. get a hanger in their shirts, I'm done. Whatever right. age that is, we're done. Um, but I'm like you when it comes to food. Like I am. Like dinner is my thing. And yeah. I have a friend once. I said, Oh my gosh! Sometimes I look at your pictures and they all look like gourmet meals. And I'm like, Yeah, I guess I guess they are. I don't know. I guess if you're eating you know, I don't know, sandwiches every night, then maybe they look like gourmet meals. But you know what? I, when I see a mom post something about, oh my, I fed my kid cereal. I'm like, is, is their stomach, stomach full? Then you did mm-hmm. your job. Yeah. <laughs> they're not going to bed hungry. Then they're good. You know, maybe you don't yeah. want to be feeding them, you know, popsicles yeah. for dinner or something every day. Cause you know, they'll end up a little sick or malnourished, but you know, it's just like, if you fed them something, you know, just be, be at peace with that. Yeah. But you well, know, my, a... my, my gift of cooking and doing that, that's just, that's my way of, of giving and showing, you know, we all, we all have something. Some moms do yes. little, um, dolphin sandwich things. Yeah, no, right. just kill me. <laughs> just not, yeah. not happening. And I'm not cutting crust yeah. off either. If you don't want the crust off, you better start ripping it off yourself, you know, but uh, yeah, whatever to each their own. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I have a, one of my very best friends in mm-hmm. the world um, has three kids. And the first one, she tried to breastfeed and it didn't work out. Her second one had horrible, horrible reflux. And it was not even, there was no way. And her third one, she breastfed very successfully. And she and I were talking about something and somebody was talking about the importance of breastfeeding and on and on and on. And she said, I just don't know what we're going to do because what if that ever comes up? And this is back in the day. We were much younger and mm-hmm. had more. We have bigger fish to fry now. But she said, she was telling her husband, what are we going to say? What are we going to say? And he said, we'll just say, you can feed a baby with a bottle or you can feed a bo- baby with a breast. And you were all fed. <laughs> and that was it. And I thought, you know, that's just a very generous. It's You were all fed. I'm, I, I may have done things a lot diff- with the originals, especially I was younger and I wasn't writing or working or traveling or any of those things. So we sat down to dinner as a family every single night. I mean, no matter what. And we had our vegetables and everything was this way and this way and this way. And with the vandals, it's different. We, we try and eat together as often as possible, but people are in and out and things are different. They're picky eaters and it's just different, but they've all been fed. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm literally yeah. grinning over here, wondering how many people um, probably have you gotten any written notes about calling them the vandals? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a nickname person and I joke a lot and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was hysterical. But I'm here <laughs> thinking, I'm probably sure there are many people that probably don't take light to that. Um, they don't. They naming. Say, uh, well, so there was at one point, so my husband's almost completely German and um, I think just a smidge of Irish, but um, he, um, and we've always done nicknames and mm-hmm. I, we just, and I have a, a different sense of humor. Um, but yeah, now I get the, the church ladies, please don't speak about it with the children for they will vandalize. And I'm like, they are vandalizing. That's what they're doing <laughs> for a little while. And then I remembered, um, Somebody sent me this big long letter and it was, you know, on um, how God can't, whatever, how God can't. I love when people say that God can't move in their lives as long as I've branded them that way. So I did a little Google search on that. I was like, you know what? There are adopted sons and um, they're part of a German clan. And there was an original German clan called the Vandals. Mm-hmm. And I just went on and on and on. And this lady wrote me back. She goes, that's beautiful. And I was like, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> there you have it. I just, they, they, they're fun. They're funny. But they, I mean, I, I walked in the other day and Charlie was in the toilet, sitting in the toilet and Sam was washing his hair with the toilet brush. And I, I was like, what, what are y'all doing? I said, that's so gross. That's a, that's a toilet brush. And uh, Sam goes, what's a toilet brush? And I was like, oh, come on. I said, you use it to clean the toilet. And Charlie goes, we're washing my hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so gross. And Sam goes, well, I've never seen you use it to clean the toilet. And I was like, fair enough. So, fair enough. Yeah. You know, they, they keep us in stitches and they're funny. And, and, you know, I, I also get just as many emails from people that are like, we've started calling our two youngest the vandals because that's what they, they just are little vandals. They're funny. And, and it doesn't. You know, anything that I guess this is the grander in the grander scheme of things. We named them, you know, gave them biblical names and did all the things and, you know, put these these heavy weights on them for achievement or and I speaking for myself, but I I think so many people can identify with this. At the end of the day, their creation is in Jesus Christ. And I can call them a lot of things and they can turn out one way or the other, but they are adored and we laugh and we love. And that's who we are. So I, I, I kind of got to the point where I see that and I just go, okay, well, whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Pick on somebody else, friend. So, or you so get the let- one thing that people are unfollow. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, just just do that, right? So let's talk a bit about this sacred ground thing. Um, When I read that, my first thought, I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's from uh, Blackaby. What's his name? Henry Blackaby, I think. Um, And it's called Experiencing God. Mm -hmm. I've heard of Um, it. Okay, so I've I've read it. Actually, I'm not a serial book reader. I I, usually read a book once and then I'm done. Um, If I can remember Mm -hmm. too much of it, I can't read it again because I know how it ends. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even even if it's nonfiction. Um, okay. But I read it twice and actually did a study on it because um, it was pretty impactful. But he says something to the effect that when um, we uh, encounter another Christian, so, you know, we're face to face or whatnot, that, you know, if we are both Christians um, and, you know, we have the Holy Spirit within us, we are actually on holy ground. Mm-hmm. And so I had this image of, you know, when you're saying, you know, sacred ground of just this circle, like all this right here is important. It's holy. It's a work, you know? And Mm -hmm. uh, I just was a really beautiful picture in my mind of just being able to, well, you can explain what it means to you, but I just thought of being able to see our work as mothers um, or even as women as because of the Holy Spirit being sacred work, even in the mundane. Mm-hmm. And um, I struggle with that. I really do. Because I like doing exciting things. I love traveling. I, you know, the mundane really just doesn't do much for me. So that picture for me was very convicting and, and just um, very encouraging. Um, so, so I know that in your book, you tell the story of how, you know, you got that whole sacred ground thing from uh, that. I think she was a friend, but I'm not sure the lady that told yes. you that. Um, so what does it mean to you now? Or, you know, I don't know that you go, if you went into the book, just repeat it, because I don't remember. <laughs> well, it's, to me, it, it is, it is family. It is that he is here among us. But um, the, right after, not long after, I guess, that that image was given to me, she, she just texted me and, and I had, was tired and the baby that we had was injured. I was worn out and, um, I just messaged her. She was seasoned foster mom. This was my first foster placement and just said, you know, do you, I mean, I was waiting for her to say something amazing. And she, all she said was keep a journal, write down everything about this time you were on sacred ground. And I just remember thinking, well, there you have it. She's lost her ever loving mind. Things here are a mess. But, um, I, then the, this, this, we had a spill of epic proportions and, that popped into my mind, sacred ground, sticky floors. But then God truly revealed to me, he's here. And, and most importantly, and I think that this is the thing we think if our kids are messing up or if we have a bad parenting day, or if the floors are sticky or, you know, somebody goes to prison or any of the things that impact our motherhood and they do. So please know, I'm not saying that they don't, they do impact us, Mm -hmm. impact us deeply. They do. But, um, I was laying on the couch with, and it was actually Joy Baby. She was laying on my chest and she had a ear infection. I could just, the weight of her little body on me, I still can feel it. Wait, hold on. I don't want to cry, but um, she, and I could smell her. I could feel her. I could, I was so peaceful in her presence. And I started praying for her and um, hoping that she would maybe someday remember me or, um, that I was, I was a part of her puzzle that was important. And Mm. that was about, that was about me. 
but um, I was just swamped with this, these words. He wanders my halls, he searches my heart, and he stays. And I think that because even our children and their presence in our home can be fleeting and marriages end and marriages end and friendships end and, you know, church relationships go away and people unfollow and, you know, all of those things that, that we think he's conditional and he's not, he stays, he stays. And to me, that is what is the sacred part of it is that my children even when I was not doing it perfectly, even when I was parenting from the tree of good and evil, even when I was hysterical or panicked or hadn't showered or whatever, he stayed. And he is what makes it sacred. He is that element of communion with our children and within our family that is the sacred part. I make it a red hot mess. He, I'm the sticky part. They're the sticky part. There are sticky parts, but he his presence makes it sacred. And I love that. I love that. And it makes it easier to know that their mistakes are not a reflection. Um, maybe they, I guess it's some of them, maybe mistakes in, in where I failed or, or something I did wrong, but he never, ever fails. And I am fully his. And my relationship with him is important and well it's more than important it's everything but that's vital and that pours that that sacred part pours out into other aspects of my home and it goes with them that's that sacred ground follows them he's he's everywhere he's everything and um I his divinity is so much bigger than the spills and the mishaps and the mistakes and the police records and the failed report cards or the diagnosis, any of that stuff, mm-hmm. he, he is bigger. He is enough and he stays. Amen. Amen. Um, so I'm, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't ever want to give the impression of having it together. I'm still raising kids. Mm-hmm. I still, um, so are you. And again, we're not perfect, but there are certain things that I have learned along the way. Um, I just turned 44. I have, you know, two adult children, two older teenagers. I have a granddaughter um, as well. And uh, there's are certain things that we've learned that they really don't matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I believe in, you know, Titus and in, in, in guiding the younger women um, mm-hmm. along the way. So what, let's talk about at least one thing, one thing that if, um, every mother could embrace or even future moms, those that have not been a mother yet and think that they already know how, you know, perfect their kid's going to be and their parenting. Um, but what could we, what, what could we say to them so that they enter to mothering with peace and, or that they can start pursuing that peace. And, you know, as Christians, we can say with Jesus, but you know, that's kind of a bad answer. So let's, let's get a little more practical. <laughs> Okay. Well, the the shallow answer is Mm -hmm. the shallow answer is you cannot keep them out of the toilet. So don't bother with those stupid toilet locks. They are going to get in the toilet. They want to play in there. It's water. It's at their level. Move on to the next thing and let people pee freely without locking your toilet down. The bigger thing is, I think, death, the fear of death of a child is so all consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's so and thing I mean I I have not experienced I have watched people go through it and it is horrifying but I wasted so much time that I could have enjoyed with my kids out of the sheer fear of death and now that I've said that out loud and failure their failure I didn't want them to fail at mm-hmm. anything I and those two things I think are two things that you cannot predict you can do your very best but you cannot let it impact the here and now Jesus conquered death and failure is the seed to success mm-hmm. and death is heavy so maybe that one was stupid but I do remember that that was something I just I would I used to sleep on the foot of the bed of um one of my son well and 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 I had had just something planted in my head that I was obsessed with the premature death of John yeah and um I um remember just being so consumed with that that I think I missed out on a lot of what could have been a lot more fun and then too to that end because John was um, had a lot of my learning disabilities and stuff like that. I wanted him to succeed at the same rate as everyone else. And I wanted mm. it to look like everyone else. That's what I wanted for him. And you can't predict that either. And so I guess, um, I don't know how to completely let go of those things, except that, um, I, I, I say this often, I believed in God my entire life, but I believe God now. And it is a fair and, um, welcomed prayer to ask him to help you with your unbelief and trust him with the life and length and success or failure of your children. Amen. Amen. I, uh, when you said death, I thought, you know, there's many types of, you know, if we're going to talk figuratively of death, I mean, we can talk about the death of innocence, you know, the paralyzing fear of our children being uh, raped or molested, um, kidnapped, um, bullied, um, you know, there's just yeah. so many things that our kids can experience um, that uh, it is just prime ground for this constant fear. And, um, mm-hmm. and all the decisions made from that. Um, yes. I, I'm, I actually am on the other side of that spectrum. I am very, very like I'm. A, I, I actually kind of raised my kids like I was raised in back in the '80s and '90s. Um, very much like as soon as I think you're capable, you're, you're on your, you know, go do, go on your own, you know, ride your bikes, do this, do that. Like some people are like, your kids are doing what? I said, yeah, they get to do yeah. what they do as soon as they show that they're capable of doing it. Um, yeah, because I believe it. It does. Uh, it's prime ground for uh, building self-esteem. But <laughs> I will also say that, especially with my older ones. Um, as much as I was just like, yeah, you're going to mess up. I don't feel like dealing with that. I really can call it lazy parenting. And if any of that are listening are more on my thing, just don't be a lazy parent. Um, part of parenting is being in the trenches and being able to walk with your children and allow them to mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just be there as a guide to be able to not fix things necessarily for them, but then equip them to be able to clean up their own messes as well. Yes. And that's what I wasn't necessarily willing to do. Um, so there's that aspect as well, because, you know, we're not all the same. Um, but that definitely was kind of where I came from, of just like, yeah, you're going to mess up and you're going to do all this stuff. And frankly, I'm a single mom. I'm tired. I'm broke. I really just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we're just going to keep you sheltered in this little house and we're just going to do our thing and we're just going to do all this other stuff because I- I'm not uh, going to allow you to, you know, grow in some areas because I can't, I can't handle something else on my plate. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess if really you're, we're going to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it, it probably is a certain amount of fear. Can I handle this? Am I going to break down? Am I because yeah. I'm just not going to be able to handle this emotionally and I'm, I'm going to be undone? Um, right. Probably is more so of what it was. Well, and I think uh-huh. I, I think I addressed that a little bit mm-hmm. in Sacred Ground, where I talk about the I can't, the stuff that we mm-hmm. think we just cannot cannot deal with, and and then we do, and and I and I think that another when you were talking the other thing I was thinking two things. I remember uh, when we were in Venezuela, when my parents lived in Venezuela, that um, it's a very fa- fatalistic culture. Mm-hmm. Like whatever's going to happen happens, and so you know they give their kids these fireworks and stuff like this and the next morning you wake up and you know 7,500 children were killed with by fireworks last night and they don't use car seats or seat belts and it's just kind of like a whatever's going to happen is going to happen mm-hmm. and in our society that's so foreign to us because we have a padding or a lock or a belt or a something and you know we don't do this and we don't do this and so um we kind of think we're in control and um then when something goes wrong it's it seems like it's always the mom's fault, which is totally mom shaming, of course. Yes. You do that. I, mm-hmm. And I had that. I put a picture of the vandals one time in the back seat of the car, and I got like 12 emails. His seatbelt isn't, you know, or his car seat's wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's, and, and I was appreciative to one end, but to the other end, I was like, man, I've been putting car seats in for 23 years. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, and, and, and the truth of it is, we can use a car seat. And a child can still be killed. And mm-hmm. um, we have to, we do, I think we do our best, but I think in our society, we believe that we've got it all sewn up. This is, you know, this is the formula for a perfect kid. This is how it's going to work. And it's going to turn out perfect. And they're going to go to high school and then they're going to go to college. And then in college, they're going to meet the love of their life. And then they're going to wait to have sex until marriage. And then they're never going to drink and they're never going to drive. And they're, you know, we mm-hmm. think that, that, that we have that much control and to know that we don't and to trust him to do our very best, but then to trust him, I think is, is an excellent way of living because there's so much peace in truly believing him, not just believing in him, but believing him. And then also believing that we're adored as much as they are by a father, a perfect father. He adores us. We're his daughters. We're his babies. And um, when I when I recognized that he wasn't going to be in and out of my life, um, based on them or me, but that he was in because I said yes, it was so life altering in so many ways. But it definitely in my parenting, most definitely in my parenting. Can you repeat that? Because not oh because my I didn't gosh. hear it. It's no, like, I know because you said yes. Because I said, yes, mm-hmm. I am fully his. I'm fully his daughter. And I'm, I am just as much his daughter as, as my children are his sons and daughters. We, are, we were daughter before we were mother. We will be daughter long after they've moved out and gone on. We are daughters. And, and we cannot believe that he grows. There's no condemnation in Christ. And there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. So... To, to believe that their failures or the end of their lives or, 
you know, anything that goes even their successes, their, their successes, <laughs> impacts, and it, mm-hmm. and I do I and I I speak to this always. Anytime that I say this, I am very careful. I understand that not everyone can say this, but I'm a daddy's girl. My dad thinks I'm the bee's knees. Loves me, loves me. But when I had Maggie. I remember he actually said to me, oh, look at baby girl, look, and hugged me. And he was hugging me. He was talking to me. He was talking to his baby girl. I was mm-hmm. still his baby girl. That event in my life and in his life where he became a grandfather and I became a mother didn't change the fact that he's my daddy and I'm his girl. But we believe, I think we really do believe that God doesn't love as well as we do in the American society, that he loves on contingency. But when, when the vandals came down for breakfast this morning, before I gave them breakfast, they didn't have to go, are you our mother? I'm their mother. Yeah. I'm their, I'm their mother. That is, that is the truth of who they are and who I am. And I am daughter. And if you're listening to this and you have said yes to Jesus, you are daughter. You're, you're Amen. His, you're his girl. And it, it is, it is so dear. It is such a relief to know that when you're parenting. And I used to talk to God when, when Luke was struggling, it was like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was right there waiting to just love on me as daughter. He was, he was, he wasn't like stepping back from me and going, well, you let Luke down. You let me down. That's not who he is. We are fully daughter. I, I, would you, uh, um, agree or not. I mean, feel free. I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> I can live in, in disagreement, but I, I'm sitting here thinking when you said about, actually, I don't know what you said. I should have written it down, but this is the thought <laughs> that came to my head was, I wonder if we're suffering from a personification of God. And so we turn him into a person. And so therefore we're only viewing him as limited as our human yes. mind can. And so when we do that, we are, we're going to be in a constant crisis of belief and faith because he's always going to fall short and he's not going to be enough because humans never can. Well, that's what stolen, my first book, Stolen Jesus is about. See, now I have to read the book. (laughs) I really do. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, Um, it is. It's about how, so I stole Jesus. So I stole a painting of Jesus. So, and, I saw and a picture ta- of you yeah. and I said, oh, I wonder if that's stolen Jesus on the wall. It is. <laughs> it is stolen Jesus. Um, but um, as the book progressed and it, the unraveling happened, this is what I came to know is that I am holy in Christ. He is with me. He's for me. He walks with me and it, nothing can change that. I can't make him. But religiosities and people um, – step in between that. And, and when I say he was stolen, he was stolen from me by others, but he was stolen from me by myself as well. And what I believed I could do to catch up to the cross. So, um, and so this is one of the, the, the most prominent emails that sticks out in my mind was from a woman after she read stolen Jesus. And she said, Oh my gosh, you're, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but she said, my, my stepfather was a pastor of a huge mega church and he molested me until I was nine and then he started raping me and he raped me until I left home. And then I read this book and went, I thought Jesus was a pervert. Oh, oh, but you oh, think oh. about what we do. Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. you, know, you and I talked a little bit about this, about Christian celebrity too, about, you know, where 
um, before we were recording, we were talking, yes. I was telling you about that, that struggle. But the issue is, is that it is Jesus. It's not what I say. It's not what you say. It's not what any of these other, it's none of those. He's so much bigger. He's so much, so much more than what you're hearing, what you're seeing. And he was so good. He's still so good. And it's, it's so important to, to be able to recognize that that person, you know, I had a mentor, um, long ago and she hurt me. I, I can't even, I still haven't ever written about it or talked about it to the depths of my soul. And I remember telling somebody, I'll never go back to church again. Jesus didn't do that. One person did it. She was yeah. a jerk. You know, Mm -hmm. she she was a colossal butthead, but guess what? He's for her and he's with her and he's for her wholeness and her restoration. And I can let go of it because of that, because I put too much on her. I put too much on her and I put too little on Jesus and all of it is Jesus. All of it is that he is, he came to restore and make whole and knowing that as the truth of who he is, instead of piecing together all the things you've heard or, and it, it even comes to that in letting people, and, and I believe this with my kids, giving people the space to get to know him. And, um, you know, they're not going to be right where you are They're And, and they may be 10 steps ahead or 10 steps behind, but guess what? That's because that's where he is with them. He's not leaving them. He's not forsaking him. I don't even get mad or upset anymore. When I think about that woman that hurt me, he was with her and for her. She was a believer. She's my sister in Christ. She betrayed me. He didn't. Mm. Wow. That's deep. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm listening to you and I'm here thinking, um, there are many times that, uh, you know, I'm as a transformational coach. I have clients, I have people, you know, in my life and they'll say things I don't even know because I just don't keep take them to heart. Um, but I just know that a lot of times I'll get some some compliment or praises and I feel super uncomfortable. And I think I'm, as I was listening to you, to you talk, I'm like, this is what I what I I don't want. I don't want somebody to focus so much on me. Like if if your interactions with me don't leave you wanting more of Jesus, then I, I don't want I don't want it because. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to fail you. I'm going to say something. Somebody's going to listen to this podcast and hear about the whole pride conversation thing. And they're probably going to just be flipping about it or whatever. Mm. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but ultimately, like my interactions, it's like, I, I don't want to be the focus because I'm going to fall short. I'm going to say something I don't like. I'm going to do something, write something, whatever. And, you know, you're only disappointed when you actually have an expectation. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I just, Jesus doesn't disappoint. He's constant. He gave his all. And that's, that's where I'm pointing over here. Like you can see me yeah. as if you're shooting an arrow and that's, that's where it points to. Um, yeah. And uh, so I do, I do appreciate um, your heart, even just how you're speaking about this woman. Uh, I, I love that you're saying that. I love that you're able to, you know, voice out loud that, She's still loved by God, even if she betrayed you or did what she did Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to even honor her in that way of who she is to Christ, regardless of what she did. Yeah, it's not. And it's it's it sounds kind of pie in the sky. I'm years past it, but I'm also at a different place with Christ. And, you know, I I see I know you see and hear this and, you know, um. I, I want nothing to do with God. I want nothing to do with the church. I, this and this and this and this. Well, what person brought you to that place? 
because it wasn't him. He doesn't yeah. disappoint. And he does. I think people can go, well, he didn't answer this prayer, this prayer, but that, that, that's not even, that's a completely different parallel than, you know, taking a human characteristic of someone. And, and I should explain the lady that wrote that letter to me about that. She said, you know, everything that I believed about my value was sexual. And so the confusing message in that was, is that you're not supposed to be promiscuous, but this man that got up every Sunday and was preaching the word of God was a pervert, Mm -hmm. a monster. And, and it it is easy. It's very easy to, to blur the lines between, you know, the holy people or the great, the great calling of, of ministers and teachers from him, but they're not him and they are human. And, you know, we were talking about, um, before and I, about you know trying to sell books I it, it's a it's again a very fine line between going look at me look at me buy my book buy my book and going but Jesus just Jesus mm-hmm. and so we, we do have you know the the earthly struggle of of success and failure and all of those things but at the end of the day Jesus amen and you know I, I just you just said something that I, I want to make sure that um anybody with any doubt, we're not minimizing the damage that a lot of people do that make people want to run the other way from Jesus. Absolutely Um, not. Because trauma is trauma. And I think of that young lady and my heart breaks for her. Um, But I think, let me speak for myself and you can add, it's like, but what I am saying is that um, the people that hurt us that, um, or, or that gave Christianity a bad name in whatever form or fashion, um, they're not Jesus. They're not. Mm-hmm. And um, giving, giving you know, God a, a genuine chance, a, you know, aside from that experience um, would probably be the most beautiful thing you can do for yourself. Right. If that's yes. where you're at. Oh, yes, definitely. And then, and, and, and as, I mean, someone that has been abused and has had those hurts. I remember a time where I was even mad at him and then later thought I was in trouble for being mad at him and you can't get in trouble with him. (laughs) He's big enough. He's, he's broad enough. He's wise enough. He understands all of those hurts. I got in a fight with him yesterday in my car, (laughs) and you know, all that just yelling and stuff. And then I turned on my, the music and, was listening to pink and belting out songs really loud. And then all of a sudden just had this almost audible voice. Okay. Turn it off. Let's talk now that you've stopped being ridiculous. No, he didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, if you're ready to, if you're ready to come back and talk, I'm ready to. So, and I did, and I turned it off. I was like, okay, well that was ugly. And you know, it's not, yeah, that was, you're the worst. It was, yeah. And I'm still here. He stays. Amen. Amen. Um, is there anything else you want to share with our people? Oh gosh, out there? I think we've, we've said a lot, <laughs> haven't we? We've touched on so many different things. It's been wonderful. We have. So I wrap up with two questions. Okay. One of them is how are you being salt in your neck of the woods? How am I being salt in my yes. neck of the woods? I think my basically just stuff like this, just getting to talk and hoping to that mama's here my voice and I'm also pursuing um and writing some curriculum that I hope to get out for um foster uh, for the foster care system that is actually for the parents of children that have been removed and um it's just 
been eye-opening and I know that in um, our journey with Joy Baby's mama and Charlie's family both um, that that there was a reason that that all happened and that there's something big that needs to happen in that part of it where we offer compassion to people that are not being offered compassion and being friends to people that are going through something so awful most parents can't even fathom um and some of those situations of course you know can't be reconciled but some of them can and i think they could be reconciled well with true love Mm. jesus love amen Amen. So. I can't wait until uh, you get that going. Maybe I'll have you on again and we'll talk about that. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> and then, so if you were a spice, which one would you be? And uh, what do you bring to the table with your, with your special flavor flave? I really wanted to say something super poignant. And tum- <laughs> turmeric kept popping around in my mind. And I was like, I don't even like turmeric, but it kind of leaves its mark. It's got a cleansing aspect to it Mm -hmm. if you if you spill it on the carpet that carpet has to be replaced and yes I know that for a fact and so I'm gonna stick with that it adds just enough of the twang and color Mm. and vibrancy to Mm -hmm. the situation but it also can be just a red hot mess (laughs) (laughs) therefore I am turmeric Oh, you know, it's anti-inflammatory too, <laughs> with oh, a little yeah, bit see? of pepper. <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. See? So you, I am turmeric. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> a red hot mess, especially if it's on your carpet. Oh my goodness. Oh. It does stain. It does. It leaves an orange tint to your fingers too. Yeah, I can, I can I match am. for that. Yeah. Oh my the, goodness. The vandals. That was one of the first vandalizations that they did. <laughs> turmeric. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jamie, thank you so much for reaching out to me. Um, It's been just a pleasure to read your book and talk with you. And um, I hope that um, we've been able to give a different view of Jesus for those that needed it. And um, that women can just start learning to live in a little more freedom from their parenting um, because, you know, I mean, we do have a lot of influence in our children. I don't want to say that if you don't do nothing, they're going to turn out whatever. Yeah, that's not, you know, do not <laughs> yeah, hear don't that. Say that. That's not what we said. However, no, hear that we said you, you are a daughter. right, and they can still go wild, and you can yeah. do everything wrong, and they can turn out to be a president. It really just, there's just no formula. That's right. Religion, Christianity is not formulaic, and neither is parenting. Oh. And, then, and then you say that we're what? Jamie wants you to hear. I want you to hear me say, you are fully daughter. You are still his girl. You are fully daughter. Yes. That's what I want. Amen. Thank you, sweet friend. You have a great one. Hug your little vandals. um, I will. I'll see you around. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, friend. Bye. Bye.